Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're starting a new series today. It's actually going to take maybe two or three months to go through. We are going to call it basic training. And let me explain to you why we're going to do the series. I have become increasingly aware that most of us as believers have an understanding, but we maybe don't have a complete understanding about what we believe. In fact, I've I've made this statement that a lot of us as Christians live more by cliches. You know what I mean by that? More by statements rather than truths that we know from the Bible. In fact, we get disappointed with God when the cliche that we're trying to live by doesn't bear the fruit that we think it should in our lives. When that cliche that we live by doesn't produce what it's supposed to produce. And the reality is is that we're not supposed to live by cliches. We're supposed to live by God's truth and God's word. So I decided, well, it's sort of like a football team. When a football team doesn't have a good season, they get back to what? To the basics of football, blocking and moving the ball and, you know, just basic things, techniques that they got to learn that get them into the game. For you and I as believers in the culture in which we live in, we got to get back to basics. we got to get back to understanding basic truths so that you and I become the people God wants us to be, so that you and I are able to share our faith and live out our faith in the world in which we live in. Now, how do we do that, George? I think we do that by getting back to the basic doctrines, seeing what the Bible says, and applying it to our lives. So here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. Today is an introductory message. We're going to see why we're doing this today. We're going to see why we have to take the time out to learn what we need to learn. But over the next few weeks, we're going to take it in three phases. It's sort of like real boot camp. What we want to do is mold you and your faith to move you as a believer to maturity. And here's how we're going to do it. Oh, So we're going to basically take the next few months in three different phases. In real basic training, in real boot camp, they have three phases. What we're going to do is we're going to take it in three phases, the red phase being truth. So we're going to establish key truths for you over the next few weeks that you need to understand. Then the second phase will be righteousness. Whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. Living in Christ's righteousness so that you know how you're supposed to live based upon those truths. And then the third phase, which is the blue phase, which will be called mission. What are we supposed to do now with this information? With, we're, we're, we're living in the righteousness that we're living in. We, we have that base of truth. How are we supposed to live towards others around us and to the world outside? So that's what we're going to look at over the next few months. But today we're going to see why we need to study this. So I want you to notice with me Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16, and then we're going to tell you why we've got to get back to basics. Why do we got to get back to the basics of what we believe? Look with me at verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, 
and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature of fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and knitted together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What we're going to see in this passage is several different things. We're going to see why do we need to get back to basics because we're wanting to equip you for life. We're wanting you to be able to know how to live your life in this world. We want you to be able to know the truths that you're supposed to stand on rather than living by cliches. And you say, what kind of cliches, George? Well, how many of you have heard this? It's in the Bible somewhere, isn't it? God helps those who help themselves. I think that's in the book of George. Would you be surprised how many people live by that? How many people literally believe that? And we live by these cliches, but that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to mature. But the basis of our maturity is where? God's Word. Especially as the Holy Spirit applies it to our lives. What we're going to do today is we're going to get back to basics. We're going to see three things. We're going to see, first of all, the purpose. Why do we need to get back to basics? We're going to see the duration. How long does this got to take place? And then we're going to see the result. What happens if we start growing in our lives in this area? So let's look, first of all, the purpose. The first thing I want you to notice is that pastors must prepare God's people for works of service. Pastors must prepare God's people for works of service. Look with me at verse 11. Let me explain to you what's happening here. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. The context of chapter 4 is the Apostle Paul, in the preceding verses before this, gave the illustration of Jesus Christ being like a victor, of someone who won a victory. And what happens is, in the Roman times, when they won a battle, they would take all the loot and all the things that were captured, and they would bring it back to Rome, and the victorious general would ride into Rome with all of his legions who had won the great victory, and with all the booty, and with all the slaves that they had captured and everything. And then what they would do is, is there would be a big celebration because he had won a victory. And here's what the general would do then. The general then would give gifts of all the stuff that he got from the other nation to the people of Rome. So he would give slaves, he would give gold, and it was his way of sharing the wealth that they had acquired through conquest with others. Now here's what Paul's doing. Paul's telling us in those first ten verses that Jesus is the victor, and what he has done is he has shared with us gifts. He has shared with the church gifts. And so when he talks about the gifts, he goes to verse 11 and he specifically talks about a certain gift, certain types of gifts. And I want you to notice, and he gave some, he says here, what? Apostles, we no longer have apostles. Prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So here's what he's saying. 
He gave to the church certain gifts. Individuals who carry these gifts. And one of them, he says, is a pastor. Now here's why he says he gives the church these gifts. The reason why he gave the church a pastor. Look with now at verse 12. Look at what it says there. For the equipping of the saints. Who's saints? Not, not somebody who's dead, but you and I, holy ones, separated ones. That's believers. For the equipping of believers, for what? Look what it says. For the work of ministry. Now let me just break this down to you, because here's what I'm saying. Pastors are to prepare God's people for works of service. You say, how do you get that from that? Here's what it says. First of all, that word equip, here's what that word equip means. The word equip means to mend or to set a broken bone. It means to restore. The original word that it's used that we get the translation equipped from means to set a broken bone. Now, can, how many of you can set your own broken bones? You can't, can you? You need somebody else to set it for you. How many? And, and it's basically a restoration process. So what Jesus gives a pastor to a church to bring restoration to who? You and I. What's he restoring us to? First of all, where did we fall from? Paradise, the garden, a perfect relationship with him. And so pastors are given to set, to restore you and I back to a what? A perfect relationship with who? God. Pastors are given to equip you, to strengthen you, to restore you back to your relationship with God in order then that you do works of ministry. Now, I don't like that word ministry there because a lot of other translations translate it differently because we have our own connotations with that. The word actually means service. Because when you and I look at that passage, you might say, well, hey, that's what your job is. You're in ministry. God's not calling me to be a missionary to Botswana. Isn't that ministry? I'm not a Sunday school teacher. So what we do is we look at that word ministry and we exclude a whole bunch of people, including yourself, because you say, I'm not in ministry. Well, that's not what the word is saying. We're to, pastors are to restore you, equip you, so that you do works of service. Now, can all of us do works of service? You better believe it, we can. So here's the purpose. The purpose is so that you and I grow up in our relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can do works of service. That's why he gave gifts of pastors. The pastor's role is to equip you. So he goes on. Here, why? Look at the next thing. The effort is for the growth of the church. The effort, this effort, what effort? The effort of pastors equipping you, restoring you for works of service is for the growth of the church. Where do you read that? Look at verse 12. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that word edifying there means to build up. This takes place. Why does a pastor have to restore you? Why does a pastor have to train you and teach you? So that as you are growing and you're restored in your relationship with Jesus, the whole body, that is everyone, is edified, that is that everyone is built up in the body of Christ. The church grows. The effort is for the growth of the church. Now, a lot of times when we talk about the growth of the church, we're talking about numbers, how many people are here. That's not what it's talking about. The growth of the body here, although numerical growth could be a sign of it, and it should as people reach out, what it's talking about is your spiritual maturity for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. In fact, look at it this way. 
It's, it's almost an interesting cycle. Let me just give it to you so you can understand it. Here's Jesus, the victor. What did he have victory over? Sin and death, didn't he? Victory over Satan. Victory over hell. And so here he is. He celebrates his victory by giving to the church certain gifts. One of the gifts he gives is a pastor. What's the role of a pastor? The pastor then is to restore, to help restore who? You and I back to what? A relationship with him. So then that we can do what? Works of service. So that we can do works of service towards each other. Why? So that the body then grows spiritually, what? Back in its relationship with Jesus. See how we're all interacting together now? One guy helps you to reach out so that the rest of us help each other do what? To spiritually mature. See, that's the purpose. That's the purpose. Now, how long is this supposed to take place? How long am I supposed to do this? How long are we supposed to be involved in this process? Because it's not just a one-time thing. And even though this series is going to probably be three months long, is that it, George? Once we do it in three months, we're done? And so that's our thought is we've got to go through the training process and it's over. That's the way we think, but that's not the way it is in the Bible. Look at what the duration is. Look with me, verse 13. Here's what he says. Till we all come to the unity of faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Three things I want you to see as far as the duration of how long we're supposed to do this. How long is the pastor supposed to equip you? How long are you supposed to do works of service till we all grow? How long is this supposed to take place? Three things. Number one, we must do this until we're unified in the faith. We must do this until you and I are unified in the faith. Look at what it says there. Till what? Till we come to the unity of the faith. Till everyone here is unified in their understanding of the faith. What faith? The faith that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that He left heaven. Isn't that what we celebrate this time of year? That He left heaven, came in the form of a child, led a sinless life, a perfect life, was unjustly condemned, placed on the cross for our sins, died, was buried, on the third day rose again, ascended to the Father, is coming back. You understand? Till we all come to a unified understanding of the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you and I are to do this until we're unified in the faith. Here's the other thing. Until we see personal growth. We're to keep doing this, the equipping, the training, until we see personal growth. Where does he say that? Look with me at verse 13. Till we come to the unity of the faith and till we come to what? And of the knowledge of the Son of God. That word knowledge there is not a head knowledge. The word knowledge there is an experiential knowledge. So for instance, I've been married to Lori now 16 and a half years. And in our 16 and a half years of being together, I know her now better after 16 and a half years than I did when I first met her 18 years ago. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know her back then the way I know her now. In fact, have I arrived in my knowledge of her? Better believe it, I haven't. She's constantly surprising me. Just when you think you know them, isn't that right, folks? You don't know them. You'll never know them. So give up. Just give it up. It's the same thing in the relationship with Jesus. The pastor is supposed to equip you, to strengthen you, restore you back to the relationship with him, 
until you come to the place where you grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we must do this until we see personal growth. And here's the thing. With Christians, you never arrive. Does everybody understand me? You are never going to arrive at a place where you can say, okay, I've learned it all, I know everything, I'm okay. The moment you get there, you just revealed how much you don't know. And so the fact is, is I'm to do this until we're all unified in the faith, but I'm also to continue to do this until we're all what? Growing spiritually. Well, you say that sounds like we've got to continue to do this forever. That's the point. We've got to keep getting back to the basics, getting back to the basics of what we believe forever. Because the issue is you and I growing spiritually. It's our personal growth. Our personal growth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. There's one other thing. Here's another thing that points to us the duration of it. We must do this until we spiritually mature. Look with me, verse 13. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So you're saying we're supposed to do this until we become perfect? No. Another way to translate that word is, the New King James and King James translates it perfect, but it's also translated mature, to a mature man. The point is, is that you are not just to grow in your relationship with Jesus, have personal growth in your relationship with Jesus. You are to spiritually mature. That is, grow up in Jesus. Now, here's the problem what's going on in our churches today. And here's why we're having something like basic training. And here's what we're recognizing. Now, let me use the illustration that Paul says. Paul says to the Corinthians, You know what, guys? Don't you remember when I led you to Jesus? By this point, you should be eating meat, but you're still drinking milk. You haven't matured. He uses the illustration of children. How many of you remember, ladies, your little one? Remember when they were on the bottle? And, and then you gradually introduced them to cereal? But here's the thing, and then as they moved from cereal, they moved to what? A little bit of fruits and green beans and squash and all that stuff, and then gradually they moved up to where they're a teenage boy now, and it's a burger. They're eating meat. What is expressed in those eating habits? They have matured. Here's what he's saying. The pastor, verse 12, was given to the church to equip you, that is to restore you, to, to mend you, to set you back in order, so that you could do works of service, so that what the body grows, and we're supposed to do this until when? We're supposed to do this until everyone is unified in the faith, until we have personal growth in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And now he says, until everyone matures in the faith. See, here's the thing. In Christianity, if there's no room for babies. Let me explain what I mean by that. There's no room for baby maturity. We have a lot of room for babies. There's no room for baby faiths. To be like you were 20 years ago when you first became a Christian reflects something negatively about you. You need to be 20 years grown up in Christ rather than being like you were when you first came to Christ. Because the issue is, you should be what? Maturing. How many of you know somebody, they're 30 years old going on 10? I mean, they may be fun to hang out with, but would you count on them in a dire situation? No, not me. See, that's the thing, because at some point they have to what? Grow up. And this is what we're talking about. We're getting back to basics so that we what? Grow up in Jesus till we what? 
spiritually mature. Spiritually mature. Okay, so we've seen now the purpose, why we have to do it. We've seen how long it's going to take. And let's be honest, it's what? It's going to take forever, isn't it? Because nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to reach that per- perfection. And, and, and that should be an encouragement to you. You say, why should that be an encouragement to you? Because here, here's the thing. That we're all supposed to what? Grow. And nobody is reaching perfection until they be, go to be with Jesus. So that should be an encouragement to you because you might be saying, well, I'm not like you, George. Fine. Well, work your way there. Work your way to an understanding and a relationship with Jesus. And let me explain something to you. I'm not there yet either. I still got to get there too. And we're all at different levels. And so the issue then is, is that we're to do this until we all, every one of us, matures. And how long is that going to take? It'll take a while for every one of us to get there, isn't it? Now you say, now if we do this, if we do what you're saying, we get back to basics, we start strengthening our lives, we start doing this until we're unified in the faith, until we see some personal growth and maturity, what's the result going to be? Look with me at verse 14 through 16. First of all, verse 14 says this, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Here's the first thing. We will be secure in the truth. We will be secure in the truth. Here's what he's saying. It's interesting. I've met Christians like this. I'm going to describe to you a Christian. And this may be a description of you, but I'm not picking on you. I'm just describing a generic Christian here. Here's what, here's what Paul is saying. If this equipping takes place, if this equipping, this restoring them back to their relationship with Jesus Christ, this restoring them back to Jesus Christ so that there's growth in the body, this restoring that takes place over time till everyone is unified in the faith, till, till we see personal growth and we see maturity, if this takes place, you're going to see this type of individual change. You're going to see the individual who lives by cliches. They don't necessarily read the Word of God themselves, but they kind of go by whatever the local theme is in the church that week. You know, about God helps those who help themselves. Or, you're supposed to be this way. Or, whatever the radio preacher said that sounded real good. Some good slogan or whatever. And, and so there they are. They're trying to live that way. And, and they say, you know, they do things like this. Well, if I give, God's going to bless me back a hundredfold. And it's not just those who embrace prosperity theology who think that. There are good Christians who think that. If I give God, you're going to bless me. God, if I'm in your church, you're going to give me a... Everything's going to be okay. I'm never going to have any problems. And so here he is, or here she is. She's existing this way by cliches. She's existing this way by slogans. He's existing this way. And then here's what happens. Problems come. And isn't this a life of problems? This is a life of hardship. This is a life where difficulty comes all the time. You might get a pink slip. Your, 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 your pipes might explode in your house. Your furnace shuts down. Your heating system all of a sudden develops a leak and you notice a spot on the, on the ceiling of the first, uh, you know, the ceiling on the first floor and it's like there's a pipe up there and you know there's going to be a big headache to get it fixed. And all of a sudden now, because you've been living your life by cliches and you've been living your life by every wind of doctrine that comes by, you're, you're kind of like a crazy person now. You're like, God, why are you abandoning me? God, why am I going through this? And so you maybe get angry with God. 
And then you kind of roll around until somebody else tells you something nice that you like to hear. And, and really what's going on here is what Paul's describing here. Look what he says. That we should be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried by every wind of doctrine. What's the description here? I like going to the beach. You know why I like going to the beach? Because I like to get in the surf. You know why I like getting in the surf? Because the surf moves me. You ever notice? I remember as a boy... We used to go to Edison Island in South Carolina, and my mom would say, George, you need to stay right in front of me. So I'd go out into the waves, and guess what they would do? Five minutes later, I'm ten yards down the beach. Why? Because the waves don't come straight. They what? They go at an angle. And the current takes you down. So I've got to run all the way back because mom's mad because I'm not staying in front of her. And that's the way a lot of Christians live their life. They live their lives tossed to and fro by whatever new slogan they hear. And it really reflects where they're at. And notice how Paul describes them. Like what? Children. Because they haven't grown up yet to understand things the way things are in this life. See, the result is, is rather than be like a child who lives his life by cliches or something, I'm going to be secure in what? Truth. What truth? The truth that you were equipped with as you matured in your faith. So you're going to be secure. You're going to be secure. Now here, notice something else now. Not only will the result be that you're going to be secure, you're going to be firm. In fact, isn't that interesting? Jesus used the illustration like this. He talked about two men who built a house on a foundation. One built a house on a foundation of sand. The other built a house on a foundation of rock. The storms came. What happened to the guy who had a house built on sand? Got blown away. Got washed away. What about the guy whose foundation was on rock? It stood. This is the same illustration. You need to have your life built not on sand, whatever the latest slogan is or whatever the latest cliche is or the latest fad in Christianity, but rather have your foundation on what? The rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. So that when the stuff of life happens, and let me believe you, does the stuff of life happen? Yeah, and if it hasn't happened for you this week, it will. The stuff of life does happen. So that when the stuff of life, you're not going to be tossed to and fro. You're not going to be washed away. You're going to be secure because your hope is where? On the rock, which expressed spiritual maturity. So here's what we're going to see. We'll be secure in truth. Here's the next thing. The result is this. We will see both personal and corporate growth. We will see both personal and corporate growth. Look at what he says there. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every joint, supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Here's what he's saying here. He's saying then, rather than being tossed to and fro, I'm secure in truth, now when I speak the truth in love, so as I interact with others in truth, here's what happens. We grow up in the body of Christ. And here's what happens. From whom the whole body, that is all of us, are joined together. Every one of you are a part of the body of Jesus. You each serve a role and a function. And we're, and we're all dependent upon each other. We grow up according to the effective working, so that because of God's working and the Spirit's working in our life, every part doing its share, every part having a part in the ministry, doing works of service, what? What does it do? It causes the body to what? Growth. Not just your growth, but the body to grow. 
See, this is why we've got to get back to basics. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.